pay. If you don't pay, then I'll just have you locked up. And then once I lock you up, I'll confiscate. I'll seize your property. And then, of course, you won't have any way of paying me, which means you'll probably just serve out your sentence. When you do, when you come out, you will have nothing. I will have not only collected my $7, not literally, but I've collected my $7 out of the value of the property that I seized from you. So that's the power I would have as a tax collector. Jesus chooses these kinds of guys. And then he had the nerve to put in the group one guy who eventually becomes the betrayer, but he starts out as an interesting person. He seems to have this deep concern about money. So he ends up being the treasurer of the group. You know, his name is Judas Iscariot. Uh, his name has an interesting meaning to it, Judas Iscariot. The word Judas is not a bad word, although you don't see anybody now named Judas. If you do, that's probably a rarity. I don't think I'd name my child Judas, uh, and let alone Iscariot, because it has a very derogatory meaning attached to it. Uh, but he ends up being the treasurer of the group. But here's the point I want to make, and then we go home. I'm letting y'all go home earlier today. Y'all ain't y'all gonna woo, y'all gonna be shouting like I don't know what. Check this out. <laughs> It's important, if you take this little statement right here, all these statements that this young man has written on this page, it's important that these disciples learn how to say positive affirmations to themselves. They don't know it now. They don't know it as they start their ministry because like anybody else, they're fresh. And they don't know what lies before them. But Jesus knows, and throughout those three years that he works with them, he's forever using two words. Two words that he used, I think it's seven times throughout the Gospel of John, and maybe six times in John's Gospel, and one time in Revelation. Two words, I am. And you need to catch the logist of what that means, I am. Because that, in itself, can be an affirming statement. I am. Now that may not be qualified as a statement because not enough words I don't think, but it's an affirming aspect to which I can put in my psyche. I am. And I can finish the ending. Do you get that? I can finish what I want the ending to be. I am whatever it is. Um, Toni Morrison's book, Blue Eyes, is the story about a girl who thought that she was not worth anything. So when she looked at herself, all she could see was the aspiration of blue eyes. Wanted it to say words of some sort of affirmation to her, and it ends up being an unbelievable life-transforming story. You should read it. If you never read it, you should get yourself a copy of Blue Eyes and read it. It's a shame if we let that woman die as great as she was and the contribution, contribution she made to literary learning. We don't know anything about her work. The way y'all look at me, y'all ain't never read a Toni Morrison book in your life? Huh? huh? Y'all act like y'all blue eyes. What blue eyes? We need to read African-American authors. We need to read their works. Uh, but that story is a perfect example of finding affirming words to say to yourself. She thought because she was dark that there was no beauty possessed in her. And as a result, her whole psyche had to be changed. 
I'm just thinking of all those kids who gathered around this altar. I'm just saying in my mind and believing in my spirit with some hope what these words are going to say if, if we can persuade them to read them with consistency. I am. I am. I am. I am. I am enough. I'm enough. I'm enough. I don't need the addition of you, 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 you to make me whole. I'm enough. Because I'm, if I'm connected to who my creator is, I've got to be more than enough. I felt this shift because I'm saying to myself, shoot. Kids don't just need to say this. We grown folk. Adults, young adults need to say this. Did you get this? We're going to get back to the Jesus and disciples in a minute. Did you get this? There is no one better to be than myself. That doesn't mean I'm perfect. And that doesn't necessarily mean that I am satisfied with what I am right now, but can't nobody be better than myself. Amen. I got to believe that about me. I get better every single day. Leaving those things behind, Philippians 3, and pressing toward the mark Reaching higher in Christ Jesus because every day there ought to be something better. Amen. I got to believe that. Every day that I get up, I have to look for something better. It, it doesn't look better to me every day. Some days I'm very pessimistic of myself. I got to find in myself. Listen, when I, when I think about this, I'm thinking this young lady is telling me I get better every single day as they were singing even in a storm. Did you get that? So y'all ain't paying attention in worship. Y'all got to pay attention in worship. Did you hear what they were singing? Uh, I think it was uh, Kiara that says, it had to be. What I went through, I had to go through it so that I could get better and become more. How many of us know that if it hadn't been, it's painful now when we look back over it, but if it hadn't been various situations and circumstances to which God allowed us to go through, and at the time of going through, I did not want to go through it. I didn't want to go through it. In fact, I was praying all the time, Lord, get me out of the situation. I don't want to go through it. But God allowed some things to break us down that he might eventually break us through and when he breaks us through, we come out, and when we look back, we already know how we got over because it was the Savior who built that bridge over that troubled waters. So I had to go through it, and you will never be made. You will never be made until you have to go in the fire. You will never be made. If you're trying to work, walk in a Christianity that has no burning element within it that allows you to walk through tribulation, forget it. You don't want it anyway. 
Because if it hadn't been tried by the fire, you don't know what kind of strength that it has. But the God that I serve has walked with me through the valley of the shadow of death, has been with me in the storms on the sick bed, and has proven himself that he is a God who will not only never leave me but never forsake me. So that's who I want in my corner. Amen. And that's the God that gives us the inspiration to recognize every day I'm getting better. I'm getting better every day. I am an amazing person. Did you get that? I am an amazing person. With all of my flaws and deficiencies, please, please, don't throw me aside. God is not through with me yet. Please be patient with me. God is not through with me yet. That's why God keeps putting up with you. With your bad self. With your bad mouth, ugly attitude, stinking personality. But he keeps on putting us with us because he knows that every day as he keeps working on us, we're getting a little better. Like I said last week, got the same prayer every morning. Lord, it's me. Not only thank you for another day working on that same problem, but I accept your grace and mercy. I'm going to keep on doing it. Next day, Lord, it's me with the same problem, working on the same thing. Every day, because every day I've got to believe I'm getting a little bit better which helps me recognize, as grandmama would say, if you hold on to God's unchanging hand, I am becoming more of an amazing person because of who God is making me. See, I, we need those words. We need those words of affirmation. If you don't think that's true, where do you go to work tomorrow? And where do you see them folk who smile on your face, lying to you? Turn around behind your back, talk about you like a dog, smiling at you, saying how much they support you, get in the corner with their own folk, just cut you down, don't know how you got this, how'd you get that promotion, it's not fair, all that kind of stuff. You got to have something in you to handle, how do you handle liars anyway? How do you handle people that you know you... And here it is, I can handle liars if I only have to see them every now and then, but if I got to see you every day, I got to have something. And I know you're lying. That's the thing, I know you're lying. But I won't confront you with it yet because God keeps telling me now is not the time. I got this under control if you let me do it the way I'm going to do it. And I'm trying to tell you, Lord, just, just give me 10 seconds. That's all I need is just 10 good seconds. I slapped the you-know-what out of him. And God says, nope, don't want you to do that. Don't want you to do that. I just want you to be quiet, keep on smiling, and walking in my name. Want to know why? Because you're an amazing person. And they can't figure you out as to how you know. They know that you know that they are a fool and a bigger fool. And you won't say a word. You keep on smiling. I'm an amazing person and I'm not an amazing person just because I'm an amazing person because of the God in me Amen. that makes me amazing 
of my problems have solutions. You know why God gave us a gift? Whatever that gift is, he gave you a gift to solve a problem. Think about this. If folk didn't have a gift, then no one could solve people's problems. But by you having the gift, that meant that God says, there's somebody's problem I want you to solve, and I want you to help. I was telling this morning that uh, uh, I, I, I called a bit of my gift. I, I like to work with smaller children. You know, they, people often tell me you should do more university teaching. I said, no, I kind of like the children better. One reason is because I don't like adults. No, I, don't, I, should, I didn't say that right. No, I didn't say that right. I don't like adults in class. Uh, I didn't say that right. Because, because adults in class, I have to retrain their minds when I'm trying to teach a concept. And then they want to try to rebuttal and challenge me. And since, you know, I don't got paid for the class, I don't really have time to rebuttal and to be challenging with you. Because there are probably 15, 20 other people in the class. I just don't have time to do that. Uh, I'm giving you an a direction. I want you to take it, understand it. You can critique it on your own time, but not during the class time, unless I ask you. That's my prerogative as a professor. I'd rather have children, small children, A, eh? uh, because I feel very blessed to be academically prepared as I am. Not many preachers are blessed as I am with four earned doctorates. Not many preachers have that. And because of that, I feel blessed where when I look at little children, particularly little black boys, I want to contribute something into their lives. And I figure if they could see me, now they won't know what it means that this man has two PhDs and two doctorate of ministry. They don't know what that means. But if I can just convey in my mind through them and my actions and loving them where they are, they can recognize that there is something as they grow up to realize they can be who they desire to be if they're willing to work at it. So I like to work with small children. And so that's the reason why I substitute in school. But I'm learning more and more that I may have made an awful mistake by doing that because small children can stretch. I'm talking stretching, your patience, all your nerves, and will stretch you out, tap dance on you, and dare you to attempt to try to respond because they already know you can't touch me. And so I, you know, I, I, I try to help them out, and, and I love, I, I had one little fella, I loved him to death, he was just a cute little fella, hard-headed as hard-headed could be. And I told him one day, you know what? You remind me so much of myself when I was a little boy like you. And I told him, what broke me in life was I had a guidance counselor. And this is the God in heaven's truth. This is the reason why I can't hate all white people because I had a white man in the seventh grade who kept working with me. Did I ever tell y'all I got suspended from school about 15 times? I didn't tell y'all that. And then I tell y'all I got put out of the school system twice. Did I tell y'all that? Okay, I ain't got time to tell you that right now. Twice. And on that second time, I had, oh, this is before I got to the eighth grade. <laughs> this is before I got to the eighth grade. When I got to the eighth grade, um, I should never get, his name was Mr. Mike Duran. We were at Minnie Howard Middle School. 
and I got in trouble teachers. Oh, I know what happened. There's a, there was a little girl, I'll never forget her name, was Vanessa, took my quarter off of the desk and wouldn't give it back to me. So what did I do? The militant James, I was born militant. Did y'all know that? I was born this way. So I picked up a desk and threw it at her. Oh, I, you know, I tell you, I, 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 I come out the hood. That's all over a quarter. That's right, all over a quarter. And teacher told me, you, you got to go. I told her, I throw it at you too if you don't get my quarter back. So I ended up getting sent to the office. And uh, the principal was so frustrated with me. He just looked at me and said, just sit down right there. Just sit down. And Mr. Duran came in. He says, what are you doing in here? Or do I have to ask again? I said, she took my quarter. And she should have given my quarter back. He went away and came back about 10 minutes later and said, you know what? I think I got the solution for you. You got all this aggression and you want to be uh, forceful. I got it. You ever played football before? I told him, nope. He went down to the freshman coach. In fact, we were over, the freshman coach was at Francis E. Hammond High School. He went over there and call, called him, went over there and met him and said, I got a kid that I think you, you, you might can do something with. In fact, put him on a kickoff team. On the kickoff team, it's kind of like suicidal missions. You can just go down and hit anybody. And it worked. You want to know how I tell you it worked? When I became a freshman, I traveled for the football team and I made it. I don't know if I really made it or this guy had in mind. <laughs> yeah, he just wanted to help Mike out, but I made the football team. Sent me down on a suicide mission. We call it suicide mission. It's really just kickoff. Guys, what I'm talking about. And here's what broke me. I'm thinking nobody could hit as hard as I could hit. I'll never forget, we were playing Thomas Edison, uh, I guess you call it high school. Is it Thomas Edison high school? High school, yeah. We were playing Thomas Edison um, in a scrimmage game. Man, I went down that field, boy, I was going to hit anybody. And this guy, I mean, hit me, boom, laid me out. I rolled over one time and looked up. <laughs> and I finally got up and I went back to the sideline. And here's how I think there was something behind this. And my coach says, how does that feel? That's how I think him and Mike Duran had something going on. They purposely did. But it broke me. And I got church from that day forward. I never got in trouble in school again. Never. Never. Never saw another day of trouble. Even when there was a hint that I was going to have some trouble, I never had any more. It was something about that hit that just knocked or whatever it was out of me. So I'm thinking right now at my age, if I can somehow knock the you-know-what out of some of these kids who have this level of disrespect for authority. Do you understand what I'm saying? When I look at kids and when they are told to do something, and they actually have an opinion about they're not going to do it? When I grew up, there was no such thing as an opinion. You did what you were told to do. Of course, I grew up in a day where corporal punishment was, was legal. <laughs> Deacon Bays, when I had a teacher who took the yardstick and broke it up into fours, then taped it together. Y'all ain't handle nobody like that. Tape it together. 
today, that's child abuse. In fact, that teacher would probably be arrested uh, for an assault. Yeah. But back in the day, that's what you did. I mean, that's, and mom and daddy gave you permission. I never forget my grandma said, if he act up, tear him up. And so you were afraid to act up because you knew they were going to tear you up. There's no fear in these kids today. None. In fact, I've learned in the last couple of years, didn't realize it was true. If they decide they don't want to do any work, there's nothing you can do to make them work. Did you hear that? And when I went to school, first of all, we had recess. Now, what, why was recess important? Well, all that pent-up energy you had, when they send you outside, you got it out. Uh, this little recess we got now, what is that? And it's not even every day. We have recess every day. And if it was raining outside, you went to the gym. Yeah. So they don't have any recess. On top of that, we didn't have block schedules like they have now. I think they have 90-minute schedules or something. Where you, and I understand the new curriculum for Fairfax County, I think it is, the teachers are only going to teach for about 20 minutes. The rest of the time, the students have to work it out among themselves. How, how are you going to work it out among yourself if you're in the kindergarten? You, you don't even know what the problem is, let alone trying to work it out. So when I, get, when I get calls to come in and substitute, I'm really looking for these kind of tough kids. And I, I, do, I do like special ed kids. I like special ed kids because they are the voice. Yeah, you're right. That's why I hang out with you. They, are, they don't have a voice. I like the severe special ed, the ones in the wheelchair, locked in the wheelchair. You have to feed them. If I had one little kid, you have to feed him every three hours. He has to be fed through a pump machine. You have to change his machine. I like that because it, there's a connection. They are so smart, but you have to look beneath the disabilities to see it. Um, and when you do that, you get a connection to them. Uh, he could not talk, couldn't say anything to me. But every morning when I came into class and when he came into class, he knew I was there. He could sense. I'd, I'd say to him with, with, without question, I'd call his name and he would raise up. And he had an expression, and he would get so worked up sometimes, he didn't have a good day. And I, I would tell him, it's going to be all right, man. We just got to hang in here and get through the day. And you could just see a calm in him. I, I like those kind of kids. Uh, but I also like kids, and I get a lot of this, who are sort of, uh, how do you, overactive. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's an image issue. Whenever they see me, when I come in to sign in, they change classes on me sometimes. So I think I'm coming to an English class, and then they say, would you mind um, doing another class? What, and what, what, what is it, an LD class? Because I already know what it is. Yeah, we've had some pretty hyper kids, no problem. I go in there with them. Because I'm not going to go in there in fear. I got a mission. If I can keep him calm for that day, I'm going to go in there and do it. I use my size for intimidation purposes. So when I go in there, I swell up. 
I swell up about three or four sizes. <laughs> it's the first thing I knew when I go in class. <laughs> and when they look at me, they be like, hmm. <laughs> Got to size him up. Hmm. Then they try to test me. Not today, man. Remember, I'm not your regular teacher. So, not today, bro. Don't try that. I would not try that if I were you. And then always in the back of my mind, because if that teacher ever turns her back or leave this room, it's just me and you. And won't nobody know what's going on in this room but me and you. You can tell the administrator all you want. I'm going to lie till Jesus comes. Because I'm going to get my point across. How do I justify that? See, Rahab lied when the spies came in town. And I figured Rahab did it for the purpose of protecting the spies. I'm going to do it to protect me. Don't y'all try that. You got to have a certain level of sanctification. Think you can do that. But I, I, so I try to contribute there. I say all that to say, listen to what Jesus did. He gave these words of affirmation. That's all I try to put in these kids. Think of who you can be and what you are. You are a human being, first of all. I don't care what they told you. You are a human being, and you are more than what you think you are. You're smart. Amen. Even though I know they came right their name, I got to tell them you're smart. Yes, you are. You can do it. I had a little boy who couldn't even, listen, how do you pass a child who can't even write his name? He can't write his name. But you want to know why he couldn't? Because there were so many kids in the class, the teacher couldn't take the one-on-one time to teach him how to write. So I took the time. They called me there for him anyway. I never would believe that they had, we come to a point in our school system where we're calling a substitute for one student. One student. But I took the time and sat there. I said, you know what? His name was Damien. We're going to teach you how to write, man. Come on, let's. Oh, and he gave me a time. Oh, there was a certain way he going to hold it. I said, no, we're going to hold the pencil this way because I want you to feel how the pencil flows. I said, I promise you, Damon, if you listen to me and you do it my way, at the end of the day, I'll reward you. His eyes got big. With what? I said, don't worry about that. First get there, <laughs> then we'll see what the reward is. I think I was, that was a, I was a bit of a long-term assignment for me. I think after about three weeks, when I first got there, he couldn't even really make the first line. Now, everybody know how to make a D, capital D. He couldn't even draw the first line. When we got to the end of three weeks, he was writing his whole full first name. And I just come in there and I said, come on, Damon, let's write your name. Because they were required to write their names on all the papers. You know how you got to write your name. I said, let's write your name. Then he wrote his name. And then one day he said to me, but I got to write my last name. I said, shoot, I got him now, boy. I got him now. And he wanted to learn. By the time we got to the end of the first, no, the second month, he was writing his full name. He was writing the date. He was following instructions because I took the time to invest in him. And I told him, man, you can do this. I know you can do this. Then one day he said, remember you said, he's, you know how they talk. You, 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 you said if, if, if I wrote my name that I get a reward, what is it? 
I said, you got your reward. See how you can write your name? I said, because one day, Damon, you're going to grow up to be a grown man like I am, and you're going to have to write your name for a job application. And now that you know how to write your name, we're going to help you learn how to read. Guess what? When we finish the academic school year, Damon could read. Oh, did I tell you? He was in the fourth grade. That team was in the fourth grade. Fourth grade and couldn't even write his name. And he was passing. They were passing him. Fourth grade. Couldn't write his and couldn't read. Well, you can't write your name. I know you can't read. So Jesus took a ragtag group of folk that nobody else wanted. I don't think they did. In John's gospel, he used this phrase, I am, seven, six different times that he did so in Revelation chapter 1. And behind each statement, he said something emphatic to them so that they can feel and then recognize, I need this in my life as well. So I think it's in John 6. He says, I am the bread of life. And they did not quite knew what that was until they got to really understand what Jesus was saying in reference to feeding the multitude. They then recognized bread of life. Hmm, how do we translate that? Bread of life. I am the bread of life. And God gave you the gift that he gave you. That's why you can solve someone's problem because you can be someone's bread that brings life to them in the usage of your gift. John 8, I think it is. He says, I am the light of the world. People need light because they're living in darkness. And if you've been brought out of darkness, would it not make sense for you to go back and help somebody get out of darkness because now you're living in the light? Amen. Walk in the light, beautiful light. Come where the dew drops of mercy shine bright. Shine all around us by day and by night. Jesus, the light of the world. John 10. He says, I am the door. I'm the door that leads to life. To Damien, for at least his five early years of academic learning, nobody brought him through the door until I got there and opened the door for him. I became that door. Jesus says, I'm the door. I'm the good shepherd. I'm the door that leads to life. All I did was open up the door so this young man could find life. That's your job. That's our job when we deal with people every single day. John 11, I am the resurrection and the life. Death had occurred in Lazarus' life. And Jesus shows up at the tomb. You don't even know this, but every day you go to work, you probably come into somebody's tomb, but you don't know it. Jesus. You showing up at their tomb. They living in death. And all they're trying to find out is, how do I get up out of this grave of death and defeat? And what they need to hear is you prophesy by using the word of God. You know what? You can tell yourself, I am. Here it is. These affirmations. This is what brings you out of death, brings you out of darkness. I am. I'm not going to stay here. I, I, I'm going to get about this thing. I'm going to change this. I'm going to make this thing happen 
because greater is he that lives in me. Resurrection means to be brought back. That should suggest that I've been there before. If I've been there before, back to life, now that I've lost life, I need to be brought back to life, who got the power to give me that? And that's what God has done in us through the Holy Spirit. And so when I go out through these schools, I try to bring some life to some kid. Now, they push me to some limits sometimes. Uh, like I told the story this morning, one of your little, little fella here, I, uh, hmm. I almost had to call you that, baby, Bob. I, I, I really did. I thought I needed somebody who was more spiritual than I was because I was, about to, I was about to go off on this joker. And I could just hear Barbara saying, now, you know, you need to calm down because you're a pastor and you don't want to embarrass Zion. I, I, I'm just saying, yeah. I know what she would have said. You don't want to embarrass Zion and the Lord wouldn't be pleased. I just, and I, was gonna, I could hear myself telling her, Zion understand. They'll understand. They know I'm half crazy. It'll be all right. But I didn't have to call you. I didn't have to call you. I, 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 I heard the word of the Lord tell me, you're here on assignment. Your assignment is to be an example. Be patient. Work with them. But boy, oh, Miss Marshall, I could have, ooh. Mm. Makes, me, makes me hurt right now. Think about what I would have done in that fellow. Um, He didn't need aggression. He needed grace. He needed to be brought back from the life. He's a fifth grader. Never forget, he was a fifth grader. He terrorized the classroom, terrorized it. He was so bad that when I walked in that church, the teacher didn't even, rec didn't even pay attention to him. He just did what he wanted to do. He would get up from the reading group, go back to the back, and just lay on the floor, just do whatever he wanted to do. I just asked her, I said, let me ask you a question. Uh, don't you think you need to reel him back up? Ma, if he's over there and don't say anything, I'm happy. I just know I don't want to have to deal with that because I have the rest of the class to deal with. I said, wow. So I did what I learned from T. Garrett Benjamin. T. Garrett Benjamin had a member who hated him, hated his guts, don't know why, but she hated him. Her son came down with AIDS. Dr. Benjamin went to visit him, and in her presence, he climbed in the bed with her son, hold him, and let him know that he loved him regardless of what he was going through. Changed that woman's perspective from that day forward. So I did what he did. I went back there and laid down on the floor with him. I thought about that. I said, shoot, I got to be a way I can break to this guy. I can get to this boy somehow. Plus, I had gotten tired sitting on the little small baby seats. <laughs> I said, my big old behind on this little baby seat. That thing was hurting, boy. Ain't no cushion in that chair, nothing, man. And you know, you can't go to two sides so many times. All the nerves, but my butt had got, oh, excuse me, I'm here. everything got numb back here, and I know there's got to be something different I can do. I went back there and lay on the floor right beside him. He looked at me and go, what are you doing here? I said, I'm, I'm with you, man. Whatever you're going to do, I'm going to be right here with you. I just want to sleep right now. I said, you're going to sleep. I'm going to sleep right here with you. He never did go to sleep because he was too, too conscious of me being right there near him. 
But eventually, he didn't leave the class like that anymore. Because everywhere he went, I went. One day he said, why you keep following me? I said, because I'm with you. <laughs> I just want you to know everywhere you go, I'm going to go. Because I don't want you to think that someone's going to leave you. I'm not going to leave you. Not until the end of the day. When we, in fact, when we got to the end of the day, got ready to go home, I walked with him to his bus. I said, when you leave, I'm going to leave. But until then, I'm not going anywhere. I just want you to know I'm going to be wherever you go. I'm here for you. Then when he got to the point where he got mad, he see me come in in the morning, uh, he go, you here again? I said, I'm here again, man. Yeah, I'm here for you. I told you I wasn't going anywhere. Then I knew I was starting to break him down, and I did it with love and care. He started having problems. Can you help me? I said, boy, I got you now, boy. Sometimes you have to persevere through the pain. And it's not easy to watch a child that you know has full potential not able to meet that expectation. But you keep working with them. You know why I did it? Because I never forget when Mike Duran never gave up on me. But all, even when I got kicked out of the school system and I had to go before the superintendent to get back in school, he showed up at the meeting and told the superintendent, he's not a bad kid. <laughs> the superintendent said, said, this, this kid's got 15 discretions as a, he's, not a bad, he's not a bad kid. He really isn't a bad kid. He's just misguided. <laughs> and I, I come to learn he wasn't a bad kid. You know what I found out? His dad worked 18 hours a day. His mom worked long shifts. He was cared for by his sister who was just a student like he was. And so there was no parental expression there because his mom and daddy were busy trying to make a living. And he just needed someone who was an adult to step in and give him some affirmation. In Revelation 1, Jesus says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end the first and the last. When I look at her statement, I am an amazing purpose, a person. And then she says, today I am the leader. I choose my own attitude. Jesus conveys to us, it all begins and ends with you. It's you. It's your thinking. It's your attitude. And can't nobody save our children but us. The bottom line. There is something, now hear me clearly before you run away and misconceive what I said. There is something, though, to be said about segregated schools. Hear what I said? Before integration. Now, I know most of y'all probably ain't here to see. Yeah, y'all know. Some of y'all been in here long enough to know what I mean by that. Yeah. There was something about when we had to go to school with our own, and we learn with our own, and we care with our own, 
And as a result, we were better men and women as we came to adulthood as opposed to trying to slip into someone else's culture and assimilate and we actually hurt ourselves by doing so. I take it even further. There's something to be said about, and I know this is radical here, female classrooms, male classrooms. Now, unless you understand the history of why you have separatism, you're going to argue, no, we, no, no, trust me. There's a reason why antiquation suggests that you need to separate the two because there's a learning difference between the two. And you bring them together later as maturity comes out. That's the reason why girls, women, mature far more faster than men and boys. When you keep them where they need to be, you'll be amazed at how much more they learn. And boys learn better when they are among themselves. One reason, because of the discipline, self-discipline. The competitiveness of not wanting to be disappointing or lose against someone else who's at the same level. Now, y'all going to have to work through that. I can see it all in y'all faces because I know y'all are integrationists, and so am I to a certain degree. Because there are some times when you have to understand the importance of cultural influence. We ready to go home. Thank you. Because I know, I, you know, I, if I start down that road, I'm going to leave you. I'm going to mess you all up. I don't know where she went, but thank you, Tara, for messing up my sermon today. Yeah, tell her I said thank you. I'll see you again. She says, I choose no, I'm choosing to have an amazing day. Let me encourage you to leave out of worship. I'm choosing today to have an amazing day. Because I went to church and heard my crazy deranged pastor talk about Jesus' use of the word I am. And he connects it with one of our young people who gave our children positive affirmations. But it's not limited to children, but it's also available to adults. And as a result of that, we're going to leave out of here today feeling happy and excited about the fact that we are believers who have no reason to feel bad or negative at all. Come on, if you want to do that, come on, give God some praise in the house today. Amen. Come on. Now give Tara some praise for messing up my sermon today. She messed it all up, ruined it all up. How many of you know today?